Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Blessed are the clean of heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are they who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Welcome to our podcast series for St. Patrick Catholic Community on the Beatitudes. This is John Konachek, Director of Adult Formation and Parish Spirituality. The purpose of each of these podcasts is to invite us to a deeper understanding of the Beatitudes and then to seek ways that they can shape our Christian discipleship. Through praying with the Beatitudes, we ask God to touch our hearts so that we might pattern our lives in a way that most genuinely echoes Jesus' message of love and hope given us in the Gospels. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. This seventh beatitude is probably the most straightforward of all the beatitudes given us in Matthew's Gospel. To discover its essential message, it is not necessary to do a lot of deep scriptural digging in order to find a mixture of meanings or complex contexts. However, like the other Beatitudes, this one offers a great challenge for Christian discipleship, that is, for living out one's baptismal faith according to the directives of the Gospels. As with all the Beatitudes in Matthew, we want to allow our understanding to be embedded within the Sermon on the Mount where the Beatitudes are located. Once again, we try to get a sense of all the persons gathered on that hillside and look for both the intention of Jesus' message as well as the variety of ways that the different people listening to him might apply what was being said to their own lives. So what was the message Jesus was trying to offer? What was the direction of the discipleship to which Jesus was pointing? And how do we more deeply understand the words Jesus spoke? Irenopoios is the word that is used by Matthew and appears only rarely in that form in the New Testament. According to German scripture scholar Hans Betz, it's important to remember that the term peacemaking in its Greek meaning was typically used to describe those leaders who create or establish security and safety for their people. Rather than being a quality of one's personality, peacemaking was an attribute that benefited the whole community. The reason that it was so revered was because war was an ever-present reality. The threat of attack was constant. It's hard for many of us who live in Scottsdale to truly comprehend the importance and weight of what societal peace might have meant for these communities, because few of us have ever had a real experience of societal or publicly shared danger from another group. However, in the U.S., one example might have been what took place during the Cold War that began when both the United States and the Soviet Union had developed atomic bombs by 1949. Both countries held the capacity to wipe out the other. 
The Federal Civil Defense Administration was set up in 1951 to educate and reassure all of us that there were ways to survive an atomic attack from the Soviet Union. And since there was a realistic fear that a bomb could be dropped on any city in the United States, most Americans lived under at least remote possibility of death by atomic bomb. One of the approaches to manage the fear was to involve schools in running survival practice. Teachers in selected cities were encouraged to conduct air raid drills where they would suddenly yell, drop, and students were expected to dive under their desks with their hands clutched around their heads and necks. Somehow, this was supposed to keep children safe during attack. However, another somewhat contradictory message offered by some schools was that they distributed metal dog tags like those worn by World War II soldiers. This was done so that the bodies of students could be identified after an attack. With the emergence of the Cold War, the threat of a widespread attack on our citizens changed our understanding of safety, but more importantly, it changed our notion of what it meant to have peace. At first glance, this beatitude that declares peacemakers as blessed seems clear and almost easy. Just be a peaceful person. What is agreed upon by most scripture scholars is that the first half of this seventh beatitude does not refer to people who are merely peaceful or possess a calm demeanor. Peacemaking here must surely take place within some sort of situation where there is not peace, where there is some sort of conflict. There are two contexts for peacemaking that influence how we might more authentically understand the meaning for the followers of Jesus. The first is that peace in Hebrew scripture, shalom, is closely paralleled to the notion of justice. It is within this same Hebrew understanding that Jesus would have offered his beatitude on peacemaking. The second context is that peace in the Hebrew understanding of justice is more closely related to the notion of righteousness than it is to a sense of being serene or placid. Added to this perspective when situated within the Beatitudes, we find an even more critical need to correlate peacemaking with some sort of action for creating a peace with justice. The seventh beatitude also contains an important ethical message, which is essential to Christian discipleship. Gospel peacemaking holds a place of great importance as part of the beatitudes. As such, it is equated with the kingdom of God and therefore peacemaking is both a direct consequence and requirement of righteousness in the kingdom. When situated within the kingdom, our response to the directive of peacemaking rises to new significance. Monica Helwig, in her chapter on the blessedness of the meek, the merciful, and the peacemakers, talks about the role of peacemaking within the experience of conflict. Genuine peacemaking, according to Monica Helwig, does not include giving in or compromising at any cost or steering clear of confrontation. Peacemaking is not the same as being passive or without friction. At the heart of peacemaking for Monica Helwig is the acknowledgement of conflict in the first place and then the direct move to resolve those conflicts rather than to avoid them. Desmond Tutu, 
was an archbishop of the Anglican Church in Cape Town, South Africa, and is considered one of the great peacemakers of our time. During the 1980s, he played a critical role in drawing national and international attention to the injustices of apartheid. Apartheid was a long-standing practice of political and economic discrimination by the white European immigrant population against the native black South African people in the Republic of South Africa. Great economic and political disparity between whites and blacks resulted in incredible poverty and violence. Just one example was the South African government's implementation of a program it called Resettlement, still in place as late as the 1980s. Millions of black South Africans were forcibly removed from their homes and farms and made to relocate. Often the removal of black South Africans made space for white-owned farms and suburbs. It's estimated that as many as 21,000 people died during the time of the practice and a result of apartheid between 1948 and 1994. Bishop Tutu used nonviolent means of protest and encouraged the application of economic pressure on foreign countries dealing with South Africa to stop the injustice of apartheid and the violence it caused. His was not a soft confrontation of those in his country who were in power, a power limited to one racial class. He said, I am not interested in picking up crumbs of compassion thrown from the table of someone who considers himself my master. I want the full menu of rights. Just as easily, he challenged powerful nations of the world. He said, those who invest in South Africa should not think that they are doing us a favor. They are here for what they get out of our cheap and abundant labor. And they should know that they are buttressing one of the most vicious systems. Truly, he was a gospel peacemaker. In 1984, he was awarded the Nobel Prize for Peace for his efforts to gain justice for the people of South Africa. In 2009, he was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom from the United States. And in 2012, the Mo Ibrahim Foundation Award, celebrating excellence in African leadership. This foundation recognized Tutu's lifelong commitment to speaking truth to power. For each of the previous podcasts, we have highlighted one of our parish community's ministries that exemplifies the key message found within a particular beatitude. At St. Patrick's, there are actually many, many ministries that fall within our pillar of social justice and outreach. In fact, in our ministry directory, the list of social justice and outreach ministries covers six pages, more than any other in the directory. So based on the directory, the people of St. Patrick Catholic community seem to embrace the seventh beatitude rather well. However, I have chosen a ministry to highlight the message of the Seventh Beatitude that encompasses actually many more pages of the ministry directory than social justice and outreach. It is the ministry of the assembly. But you might wonder, how does the ministry of the assembly fit into the Beatitude that calls for us to be peacemakers? For every liturgy of Eucharist we celebrate, there is an essential part of the communion rite called the sign of peace. 
If we believe that sharing in the body and blood of Christ is not a reward for good behavior as much as it is nourishment, it allows us to be sent forth as disciples to transform the world, bringing the message of salvation in Christ and gospel love and reconciliation. Peace is essential and central to who we are. The very last statement that we make as an assembly is when the presider sends us forth to go in the peace of Christ and all reply with a resounding amen. In a way, we are declaring as a community that God will give us the ability to make it so, that Christ's peace will cover the earth because of how we live our baptismal promise. In most parishes, the assembly at least turns to those around them to wish fellow parishioners Christ's peace at the sign of peace. And we do that at St. Patrick's. Most of us can also recall an experience somewhere in another parish where some parishioners will barely even look at those around them during the sign of peace, as if this happy gesture somehow disrupts their private prayer and reflection. But even at St. Patrick's, which is known for its hospitality and welcome, we could make this gesture more than simply a friendly interaction. We want to ask ourselves, does the way we offer peace at liturgy really express the peacemaking found in the seventh beatitude? The answer is probably not. Gospel peacemaking demands a whole lot more than just being really friendly. Within the beatitudes, the peacemaking requires an awareness of the lack of peacemaking in our world and society. With that in mind, our peacemaking and peace sharing demands that we acknowledge the incredible violence that is part of our American culture. Violence in America is everywhere and shows itself in many forms. One recent study that was published in Psychology Today estimates that by the time a child reaches the age of 18, she or he will have witnessed, just on television alone, over 16,000 assassinations and over 200,000 acts of violence. And this is what we do supposedly for entertainment. Wow. Our sharing of peace simply must be more than just a friendly gesture. Our sharing of peace must be one of a commitment to peacemaking, as the Beatitude states. It must be a reminder and even a challenge to one another to fulfill the message of the entire seventh Beatitude, that those who are peacemakers will be called the children of God. Our peace sharing that we offer in church should be the call to peacemaking, which truly challenges the violence pervasive in our society where we live. We must take that peace to all the places of violence, violence that is racially motivated, violence based on religion, violence against women, children, sexual orientation, even violence against another political viewpoint. We will be called the children of God when we eliminate the evil of violence in all its forms we will be called the children of God when people recognize God in us 
that we are of God's justice, of God's peace. So I will finish this podcast with a question that we might need to always be asking ourselves as people living the Beatitudes. Can we at St. Patrick Catholic Community be identified as children of God because of the way we work for gospel peace? I close with a prayer that we all know. It's the peace prayer of St. Francis. Let us allow God to enter our hearts to help this prayer for peace transform us and the world. Let us pray together. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen.